Let's go to Psalms 126. We're going to start there. I think it's page 517 if you want to use one of the um, Bibles around you. We um, read this at the beginning of our time of worship. And there's some cultural references in here and a, um, a cry to restore lost fortunes, because why not? But I'd like for us to maybe look past that and just catch a glimpse of the overall kind of attitude of this, uh, what's called a song of ascent. It would have been a part of the kind of the miniature hymnal that Israel had as they were making their way up to Jerusalem for their uh, pilgrimage. So I'll, I'll just read it for us. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. And we are glad. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like streams in the Negev. Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. He who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. I didn't think I was going to cry. <laughs> Yvonne asked me, are you sad? I was like, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. Uh, today is obviously an extraordinary day. Um, I had planned on doing kind of the typical Luke chapter 2, this is how Jesus was born thing. And on Tuesday, uh, I just felt like the Lord said, no, I want you to talk about how you're processing the change of leaving a place we've been at for 310 weeks this is our 310th Sunday service in this space. Um, and so uh, I got a picture, actually, a couple of pictures. I want to show this. This is Shari and I in Hayden. It was five months old, January 12, 2014, the first time that we worshiped as a church in here. The back row was like six rows back. It was so awkward. Uh, what's the next picture? You can just see just how kind of bare this place was. Um, and uh, what's the next picture? There we go. This is one of my favorites is uh, Jeremy. Before we, we built the stage, before we put carpet on it, we had everyone after church come and write their favorite scriptures um, on here. And uh, we barely knew Jeremy at the time he was here and wrote that, took that picture without him knowing. And uh, what's the next? Is there one more? Yeah. So this was uh, the Saturday before, so um, the band rehearsing, and we just cleaned up the space to get in here. Um, you can see that. So it's kind of for, you know, kind of almost six years we've been here. And when we started, we had um, like one kid or something, and um, maybe 15 people. And today, there was more kids than we had adults six years ago. It's really amazing what the Lord has done and in us and through us, and so uh, if you were, were, will you stand, if you were here on that first Sunday, will you stand, I'm going to embarrass you, you were, I saw a picture of you in there, 
Look at this. Look around. This is amazing. Shari, why are you sitting down? <laughs> this is amazing. And we've changed quite a bit. You can sit. You stay sitting the entire time. No, that's great. Um, yeah, a couple of months ago, I was, uh, Jake and I were at um, like a, a national conference, and um, one of the retired pastors w- was talking about um, transitions and change. And it was, the, it was the, the time right after lunch, like the two o'clock speak, speaker after everyone's had lunch and is tired. And I was, I was like, I think I'm going to go take a nap. And I, because this doesn't sound like amazing. And I felt like, no, you, you need to be. So I, and he, and so it was this retired pastor talking about um, kind of uh, how he realized kind of late in the game how important it was for him as a pastor to lead his congregation through any major change or transition. Um, because what, what inevitably happens is, like, for two years, I've, I've known we've needed to leave this place. Um, and so for two years, I've been processing what that means for us, for me. Um, driving here, I remember I used to walk down the street six years ago to pray on Sunday morning when we got here. And I'm just processing that. There's a good chance many of you have not even thought about um, that this is a loss. It, you know, we're excited about what's happen- What's going to happen in the new decade across the street. There's like dozens of toilets. It's amazing, <laughs> right? It's great. However, we have to acknowledge that even though this is kind of a crummy space, um, for a lot of us, it's sacred space. It's spiritual space. It's space where God did great things in you. And you can't just walk away from sacred spaces and onto new things or any change or transition in your life. And if you don't process it, um, it it will affect you at some point in your life. And so uh, part of what I want to do today is share with you uh, kind of my part of my journey in processing it in case it might help you. Um, You know, if this is your first time here or if you've been here for a few months, this space might not have a whole lot of meaning to you, and that's totally fine. Um, for me, it does have a lot of meaning because uh, God did a lot for us, and he moved a lot of mountains. Um, and I've told, I've told the story. I might tell it again. Um, he's, he's just shown how faithful he is whenever we jump off the cliff or step out of the boat and do whatever crazy thing he is calling us to do. He's always there. And this is the craziest thing that Shari and I have ever done. I did not want to be a lead pastor. It was not a part of my life goal. I was content being a worship pastor because I got to sleep at night. It was amazing. I didn't get any of the hard conversations or any of the nasty emails. You know, life as a number two guy in any organization is pretty amazing. And uh, it was not a part of my dream to be a number one leader and uh, so when God called us to do this in really t- beginning, the middle of 2011, I was a lot a bit like Jonah. I was like, I'd rather go the other way. And uh, 2011 was a major uh, 
uh, a massive season of loss for us, probably the hardest year Shari and I have ever had in our life. For uh, We'd been married seven years at the time, thought we'd never get pregnant. We had been trying and had never been able to get pregnant. Then we got pregnant. Then we had a miscarriage on our anniversary, which is always how you want to celebrate your wedding anniversary. Um, lost a couple of best friends, lost some key relationships. And it, it, 2011 was just a year of loss for us. And in the midst of that loss, in the midst of the darkness and the pain, we felt like the Lord was saying, um, I want you to come downtown and join what I'm doing. And so, uh, yeah, the end of 2011, we stepped away from our church and... Um, Beginning of 2012, began to meet, relation, build relationships. Met uh, Christopher and Kayla and Sammy, and Eric and Amanda were with us. And in June of 2012, we were right down this road on Ashby, San Pedro Park, like a mile down the road. Met for the first time, first Sunday of June, of 2012. And all we had was a prayer, like we had $600, and that was it. And we prayed, Lord, whatever you're doing, we'd like to join that. Because um, that's way better than making up something and asking you to bless it. And for the first year, really, uh, some people would call us a homeless church or a flash mob church because we never met at the same place on Sunday. It'd be Hemisphere Park or the Pearl Amphitheater or um, San Pedro or, or Guillermo's. One time we had church at Guillermo's, which is so great. Communion was great that Sunday. Um, our first Easter was in Cass and Susan's apartment at the camp plant, and we were just and and we were just focused on serving. We acted like we had a we acted like a church, just didn't have a building or a place, and that was fun. But I we knew it wasn't sustainable. And um, about oh gosh, probably the fall of. 2012, Eric and I were driving down Josephine, and there's a, a warehouse right before you get to St. Mary's. There's, a, I think, a plastic supply place. If you know where the estate coffee truck is, it's just like a building or two in, and it had just uh, vacated. There was an electrical supply place there, and so Eric and I went, and we liked the idea of a warehouse, and we like peeked in, like, could, could this work? And, and as we were driving back down Josephine this way, I felt the Lord say, um, stop making it happen. I'll take care of you. And um, I was like, okay. <laughs> uh, not because I'm super spiritual, but because I was burnt out and tired and I had no energy left to go make something happen. And so to hear the Lord say, I'll provide a place for y'all to meet was good news. Ironically, it was, um, we were driving past Hawthorne <laughs> on Josephine as like I kind of felt convicted and told Eric, I think we should just like, stop looking and let the Lord bring it to us. And about uh, two months later, I got an, an email from a guy I'd never met. And he, he, uh, we had a mutual friend named Scott Barr, who like almost everyone knows Scott Barr. <laughs> and Scott told this guy, Greg, about our church. And so Greg emailed me and said, uh, Drew, I'm, I'm thinking about renting this place on the river, and I feel the Lord is saying it should be um, used for a church. Would you want to look at it? You know, and we got back, we were talking back and forth, and he, uh, you know, he 
he asked where I worked. And at the time, I was um, doing life as a freelance graphic designer to make money. And the office build, I told him the office building that I was working out of. And he replied with, oh, I own that building. And his last name is on the top of the building <laughs> in downtown. And like, so quite literally, I'm not making this up, and I've got the emails to prove it. The guy whose name was on the building God told me to go freelance out of emailed me and said, God told me to give you a, this space rent-free. And we had never met. I didn't know him, didn't know of him. So we took that as a pretty clear sign that the Lord wanted us to be in here. So that's kind of how we got into this space. Um, we had a lot of questions, but we thought, Lord, clearly this seems pretty odd that we'd get an email like this. And after a couple of months um, of discerning, we, we ended up moving in here uh, summer of 2013. We met upstairs in the kids' room. If you know where the big kids' room Fifteen of us met upstairs. I was in the corner playing the guitar and speaking and all the chair. And it was what I affectionately call the cult stage. Because anytime a new person came, they thought we were a cult and they would never come back. <laughs> so true. And so uh, January, we, we were all, all the while we were uh, making this space nice. There was you can kind of see the outline of the concrete here, but half of the space had a concrete foundation where Borden's freezer was. The reason why the floor slopes to drains and why there's water spigots is because this is where they would like bottle the milk and they had to hose it down every day. That's why the walls are tile, why there's water there, why floors drain. Uh, we didn't like that the floor was uneven, so we asked the contractor, hey, how much would it be to like level the floor and put carpet? And he said, well, because of how unlevel it is, it would take six inches of self-leveling epoxy or... $35,000 to level the floor. Immediately, we fell in love with the floor. <laughs> it's like, this is perfect. Don't touch it. <laughs> yeah. And we've even baptized people, and the water just gone right down the drain right there. It's, this is a holy drain. Don't touch it. So we have six years of stories like that here, and um, I think it's just helpful to remember how we got here. Now, in any, in any time of change, I think if you don't know who you are, um, you can get tossed in the winds of change. So I just want to remind us as a church who God's called us to be, what our identity is. Um, you don't have to turn there, but Matthew 1230 is a very simple verse. Jesus is speaking of the harvest, and he says, whoever is not with me is against me. And whoever does not gather with me scatters. This is where we got the name, the gathering. It's from this verse. It's an evangelistic verse. So when I see the, the, the logo, Gathering Midtown, or the Gathering, or the Gathering Church, I think of the context not people gathering together, although that would apply but I first think of the context of going out with the Lord of the harvest, being like the shepherd who leaves the 99 to go gather the one back to the fold. So when you see gathering church or gathering midtown, it is primarily a missional name, not an insular name. 
the next verse uh, I want to read to you, this is like the classic, I think this should be every church's description. We're not there yet, but I, I hope it to be ours. We work for it to be ours, and it should be familiar. And we've made a lot of headway in this. Acts 2.42 says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Just like the classic description of what a Holy Spirit-filled New Testament church should look like and function like. And it's pretty close to, to us. And by God's grace, we'll continue to be more like that. The next scripture in Acts I want to read, because it has the word gathered in here, is kind of an obscure little text. I've never seen anyone use this for like a vision for a church. Um, but I think it shows how great a body of, of believers can function when hardship comes. This is Acts 14, verse 19. But Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and having persuaded the crowds, check this out, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. Now, I don't know how badly you got to get beat for the people beating you to think you're dead, but that's pretty bad. But when the disciples gathered about him, which is what disciples should do, this is crazy. He rose up and entered the city. Who goes back to the people who, who stoned you? It's just amazing. He rose up and entered the city. And on the next day, he went on with Barnabas to Derby. And here's the function that as a pastor is just uh, like the North Star. When they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples... They returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Those three texts, Matthew 12, Acts 2, Acts 14, in my mind, are like these three pillars, among others, right? But they're these three basic texts that the Lord gave us back in 2011 to establish, well, what type of church, what type of people should this group be? My guess, even though we haven't gotten it perfect, is that when we read those on some level, that resonates with you because that's been your experience. And it's not a perfect experience, but it is a lived experience. And I've gotten to know many of your stories 
There was times where I felt like I was Paul and I was beaten up. And y'all have gathered around me and around Shari and around our kids and have loved us back to health. And there's times where we've gotten to do that to y'all. Our mission, if you go to our website, right on the front, the first thing you read is, it's okay to not be okay. God meets you where you are. And underneath that, it says, our mission is to love the wounded and wandering and to lead them to joyful discipleship in Jesus. And the reason why that's our mission is because we looked back over six years and said, well, that's the one thing God has always used us to do. From the start, we have always been called to love people who are really hurt and who are kind of wandering in their faith and even wondering if God's real. And all we do is love them. And what generally happens is their faith is restored to a joyful faith centered on Jesus. And that's just what God tends to do through us. And it comes from these texts. So I want us to just remember that that's who we are. In the life of our church, we'll probably be in different buildings from time to time. But I don't know necessarily that who we are will change. We might grow and you know, we'll mature in who we are, but, but fundamentally, God has called us to be people who love, who share the gospel, who disciple, who bring the kingdom of heaven into places, to love the wounded and wandering. That's who God's called us to be. Whether that's at a park, and Guillermo's, or an apartment, or in this space, or at a school, or wherever. The Alamo Dome is the next spot we're going to go to. <laughs> Just kidding. That electric bill, though, it's got to be a lot of money. Um, wherever we go, our, who we are in our mission, we'll, I think, <laughs> will stay the same. Um, the last thing I want to share with you is a, a scripture that um, I can't get away from. And if you're scared, if you're feeling anxious or afraid, or if there's a little bit of like, I don't know what the future holds, uh, I want to offer this scripture to you as maybe an anchor. Um, in, in August, actually before that, in July, um, I took some time off. And I was... I didn't know that I was afraid, but I was really afraid. It was more of like this low-grade constant hum in the background that I'd gotten used to. Um, But the Lord showed me that I was allowing fear to determine our direction. I think four or five people over the course of this year had said, hey, Drew, what about Hawthorne? We think they have an auditorium. And I would immediately say, no. <laughs> and they'd say, why? I'd say, because trailers are dumb. <laughs> and I don't want to be portable. And it burns people out. And I've, I've been burnt out doing portable church before. And I don't want to do that. And every time someone would bring up, well, what about Hawthorne? I'd say, no. <laughs> because I was afraid of, bur- of me burning out. Because um, I feel like I'm in a really good space. And the last thing I want to do is burn any of you out. And so I would just say no. And when when I was in Colorado this summer, I felt like the Lord said, Drew, you're discerning my will through the lens of fear and not through the lens of faith. And I would not call you to do something that would destroy you or the church. And um, I was on this hike 
I, I, should, I have a picture, and I, I, didn't, I didn't put it up. Sorry. I'll show it to you someday. I was on this hike by myself in what's called the, uh, it's the trail is called the Tenderfoot Trail in Keystone, um, Colorado. I'm by myself, and I'm just wrestling with this fear. And I'm on this path, and it's pretty ugly. Like, there's no great views of any mountains. You would think you were in West Texas, not Colorado. And I'm on this path, and I can't, I, I, I can't, you know, I can't see where it's going. And I have this thought, should I just go back to the car and go somewhere else? Because I don't want to invest in this hike if it's not going to be pretty. And I felt like it was this picture of where, we were, where, where I was at with the Lord, is he's calling me to go on this thing, but I don't know where it's going to end up. And it doesn't look that beautiful. And the Lord was using this to really speak to me. I, I hear God in nature <laughs> the best. So I'm in, and I just felt like this is a great, what's going on right now is kind of what's going on with like our church and with, with me. And, and I just felt the Lord say, um, wherever the path leads, there are beautiful views and persons of peace. So I'm like, okay. So I'm on this path and it turns and then it opens up to this beautiful vista overlooking Lake Frisco. And you can see all the mountains that still had some snow on them in July. And it was breathtaking, and I can't believe I didn't bring you the picture. It's amazing. And then I'm walking, and there's this older couple walking back, and they just with joy like said hello to me, and then they said, "Would you want us to take your picture?" And I was like, "Sure." So I gave him, and the picture I took is hilarious. Um, I'm really kicking myself I don't have these pictures for you. It's amazing. And on that, on that trail, um, the Lord brought to me Isaiah 43. Here's what Isaiah 43 says. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. Some translations say the waters of difficulty. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. Now, I've read this before, and it really didn't mean much to me, and it might not be, mean much to you, but in that moment where I was struggling with anxiety and with worry and with fear on the future, this was good news to me. Now, as I've meditated on this and chewed on it, You'll notice it says, when, not if. When you pass through, it's a journey. It's a route. It's not a final destination. And probably the greatest thing in here is, I will be with you. He is Emmanuel. It's what we're remembering this season. Is he is God with us. We will go through rivers. A river can be a boundary or a stopping point. A river can be a barrier. But it's really amazing to me that because um, he is with us, we will go through rivers. And just as his people went through the river in Exodus, um, he will take us through. 
and it won't overwhelm us. I like that it says, they shall not overwhelm you. It's a command. It's not, well, they might not. There's a good chance you'll make it. There's this command by God saying, if I'm with you and you're going where I call you, you shall not be overwhelmed. I'm going to apply that to our transition into a new space in a new mode of operation. If God is with us, if he's called us to go through this river, we shall not be overwhelmed. That doesn't mean there's not some work to do. It doesn't mean there's not some people that are going to step up and serve and help out and lend a hand. But if we all do that, we won't be overwhelmed and no one will get burned out. We'll walk through fire. Uh, fire is, is usually a, a symbol of testing and, and purifying. And I think when we go across the street, um, we'll be tested. We'll be purified. We won't be burned, though. And the promise that it will not consume us. We won't be devoured. How I've kind of viewed this space is like it's an incubator. When we came here, we had 15 people in an idea that wasn't yet proven. And I think that God allowed us this place kind of out of the beaten path where if you wanted to come to church here, you had to really try to come here. Like, I don't know that anyone accidentally comes to church here. No one accidentally found us. Um, if you're here, there was some intention to get here. And what's amazing, I've pastored when like half of the church is there out of religious obligation. And I've never felt that here. It's amazing what you can do when most of the people in the room legitimately want to love the Lord. It's amazing the BS you don't have to push through when people are actually here for the Lord and not to check off a religious box. It's pretty incredible. So for, I think for the last six years, this has been like an incubator for our church. It's been a safe place to grow and to become healthy. Um, but I also think... Um, it's been hard to find us. There's several times people will come to me and they'll tell me how grateful they are to have finally found the church. And then they'll say, like, I'm just so glad I found y'all because I was about to give up. And I, I hear what they're saying and I rejoice in it. And then, I'm, then I also think, well, it shouldn't be that hard to find us. <laughs> you know, like, God's doing something great here. And... Um, I don't want to unnecessarily have that light be hidden. I think we've gotten to the point to where um, the light that God's given us to shine um, has shined, but it's been kind of, you know, there's been a lid, there's been a boundary, there's been a capacity here. And if that's God's will for us, I'm fine with that. But it seems that the Lord wants us to shine a little brighter. I don't know what that looks like. I don't really care about numbers. Um, I care about bathrooms <laughs> and kids' space. But I'm really excited about what God's going to do with us at Hawthorne because our light is going to be able to shine brighter than it ever has before 
And it's really not our light, it's the light of Jesus inside of us. We're going to be able to serve our kids better. Um, we're going to be able to serve new guests better. Um, it's way easier for people with mobility challenges to get in and out of the building. It's, the school has to be ADA accessible. And so it's, I, I think all in all, um, it's going to be great. And I celebrate that. God's provided. He's been faithful. Um, he's also provided and faithful here. And we just want to say thank you. Thank you, Lord. So um, we'll end our time with prayer and communion and some more worship. And maybe um, in some way, as you come to the altar, you can express your gratitude and say, Lord, you've done great things. Lord, first, we are thankful for the greatest thing you have done 2,000 years ago on Calvary. You paid the price we couldn't pay. You accomplished the perfect life that we had no shot at perfecting. And you looked at the river of sin and separation that stood between us and our and your crucifixion made a way through those rivers and through every boundary that kept us separated. And we first say thank you for that. We also say thank you for your call of this church and this this mission and this body of believers wasn't my idea it was your idea thank you for giving all of us the faith to say yes we will follow Thank you for calling us out into the harvest field and to beckon us to gather with you instead of scattering against you. Thank you for the picture of healthy, spirit-filled believers who can love one another sacrificially because of your sacrificial love towards us. for every opportunity that you have used this place to become um, sacred and spiritual, not in the eyes of man, but in your eyes. How you oppose the proud, how you give grace to the humble. We thank you for allowing us to be meek and just giving us everything we need. Lord, I pray for um, anybody who might be feeling anxious or fearful or afraid or uneasy about this transition. Lord, I pray you'd meet them right where they need to be met. 
And God, for those of us who need to acknowledge the ending of one thing as we start the beginning of a new thing. Lord, help us to grieve well, appropriately, in the right time and in the right way. Thank you for doing great things for us, to us, among us, and most of the time, in spite of us. You're a good God.